amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Welcome back, you guys. Part Guess two of the back. two-parter. Oh. <laughs> no? Okay. You told me it was too late for that, and then you did it again. <laughs> I did. You never know with me. You gotta be quick. You gotta be quick with me. That's true. Never know. Yeah. All right. Well, this is uh, part two of our two-parter on the Murdoch family murders. Again, I just, I can't stress yeah, enough. I know. Yeah. Like, there's so many cases where you want to open your window and throw all your shit out of it for like, and there there are obviously things in this case that make you want to do that too. The first of which, though, being like, why are we just willy-nilly pronouncing things however the fuck we want to? Exactly. Like, again, they just make their own rules for everything. Yeah, exactly. I've never been so incensed by- I was going to say incensed. Yes. Really? Yes. By I mean, it's the sight of someone's name. I know. I know every single time. Well, except for Casey Anthony, but. Well, that's true. Yeah. We haven't brought her up in a while. So just wanted to get yeah, you but... real nice and pissed. Yeah. Trying to piss me off today, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to give you guys the trigger warnings again because, you know, that's what we do. We've got some trigger warnings for murder, hate crimes, death, assholes, privileged children, and insensical pronunciations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that's not a word. And thank you to Madison for writing the case up and suggesting it. We do also, before we jump back in, well, let's let's give you guys a recap. Okay. So in the last episode, first of all, if you didn't go back and listen to the first episode of this, like you're going to want to do that. If you're a I just found the show and I start on the show that's that week. This is not the time to do that. Yeah, this is maybe not the week to start Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Just go back because you're going to want the back history of the Murdoch family. You're going to need to know about the boat crash that occurred where Paul Murdoch, the 22-year-old son of Alec Murdoch, was driving. And Mallory Beach, who was 19 at the time, was killed. And Paul was not 22 at the time he was driving. I'm just... He was 22 at the time of his death because then later he was gunned down at uh, his family's hunting property along with his mother. So we left off with letting you guys know that these murders— death. Yeah. mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Not the only murder that—and I'm calling that a murder—that had the Murdoch name behind it. They've been suspected in other deaths. Yeah, and we're going to jump right into it and talk about the other— the next questionable 
Mm-hmm. If that it seems like that's not a strong enough word, but I can't think of no. a word. To, I'm just going to call it a homicide. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before we do that, though, just to remind you guys, if you want more episodes, you want bonus episodes, you want ad-free episodes, check out the Patreon. So we're Killer Queens podcast on there. And uh, we got tons of episodes. You can download and binge like hundreds and hundreds of episodes right now if you join today. So yeah. So it's not, I guess it's not technically tons, but it is a lot. Well, it depends on, okay, a butt load. What are you basing that on? How, How many dollar bills have you fit up your butt? Well, I can fit way more than I did before. I'm positive. Yeah. Way we'll more. Just give it a go. Easy. Way Easy. more. That's a little nod to MTV's movie Together. You should check it out. <sighs> but yeah, so we just want to let you know that we've got that. Again, all of our episodes on there are ad-free. If you don't like ads, then check it out. Um, and if you like extra content, you know, check it out. Yeah. Check, 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 check it out. There you go. All right. Yeah. I think we've I think we've done it. All of the business is out of the way. So on Wednesday, July 8th, 2015, around 4 a.m., a driver called 911 and told dispatch that he saw a man lying in the middle of Sandy Run Road in Hampton County. He was concerned that someone was going to hit him, but the caller did not stop, which is kind of concerning. Yeah. But anyway, when officers arrived on the scene, they found 19-year-old Stephen Smith laying dead in the middle of the road. He had a seven-inch gash on the right side of his forehead, and that side of his head was also caved in. First responders initially believed that the man was a victim of a homicide and had died from a GSW gunshot wound. Yeah, to the head. And once they identified the victim as Stephen, they found his vehicle parked on the side of the road a few miles away. The car was out of gas, and the gas cap was hanging off. His wallet was still in the car, but nothing appeared out of the ordinary. First responders called SLED, which is, Torella, do you want to handle it? The South Carolina Law Enforcement Diversion. <laughs> exactly. Also pronounced SLED. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you're nasty. So <laughs> they called SLED since they believed the cause of death to be a gunshot wound. South Carolina State Highway Patrol was also called out and they responded. And on scene, Schled and Hampton County Police Department decided that the death must have been a homicide and released... Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol. Then the pathologist who performed Stephen's autopsy ruled the death as a result of a hit and run. This sent the case back to Highway Patrol's jurisdiction and Highway Patrol was super confused what indicated that the death was from a hit and run. There was no evidence on scene to indicate that a vehicle struck Stephen, no skid marks, no vehicle debris, no glass, literally nothing. Mm-mm. Stephen's body also had no abrasions. He didn't have any torn clothing. His shoes were still on his feet. He still had a cell phone and car key in his pocket. Like all of these things. These are all, yeah, telltale signs of a hit and run and not a single one is checked off. Right. What is happening? Exactly. In June of 2021, Todd Proctor, a former South Carolina Highway Patrol investigator, said that it appeared as though Stephen's body had been placed in the middle of the road. During the autopsy, the pathologist determined that Stephen's death was due to blunt head trauma from a vehicle motor crash. Motor Motor vehicle crash. I know. I I know. You could crash with the vehicle's motor, I suppose. You don't know what happened, okay? None of us do. So don't you're, don't you're bang at around me. under the hood. I don't know what happens. You and the motor a might have a collision. Motor. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
This one was, I think they were referring to the actual vehicle this time. Though. I am not spending time on this. I'm not letting you get the best <laughs> of me. I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm just going to plow ahead. All right. All just right, like fine. that motor did. So yep. he had a large, deep laceration along the right side of his forehead, along with bruises on his forehead. And the right side of his skull had multiple fractures and bruises. He had several small cuts on his head the inside of his left arm, his right hand, and a six-inch irregular cut on the inside of his right arm. He had also dislocated his right shoulder and had blood in his airway. The pathologist ruled that Stephen had died as a result of being struck by a vehicle's motor. Shut up. I'm No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really trying to just like correct the, uh, the mistake that I made. But anyway... After South Carolina Highway Patrol was handed the investigation, one of the sergeants attempted to contact the pathologist to understand why she ruled it as a pedestrian strike. And he said that he was told by her that it didn't look like a bullet wound. There were no fragments found during the x-ray. She told him that his body was found in the roadway. And she theorized that because it was found in the roadway, it had to have been a vehicle that caused his death. I get that they do need to use some, you know, environmental information and stuff like that. But you're supposed to also like use the injuries and the injuries don't, they're not consistent with being struck by a vehicle at all. Mm -mm. So just because you found him in the road doesn't mean that somebody didn't kill him elsewhere and then drop him where he lay. Like, well, but why does it have to be a motor vehicle crash. Like he had to have been either hit by a car or a gunshot wound. Right. Why are those the only two options here? Exactly. She's like, well, there's no gunshot. So obviously somebody hit him with a car. Yeah. He could have been in a road. Yeah. He could have been like, it could have been blunt force trauma by another object. And then he was placed there or that's where it happened. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, she's completely ignoring like his body being dumped. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So the sergeant asked her again, why? Why do you think this is a motor vehicle accident? And she was like, because the head injury. And she said that it was his job to figure that out, not hers. So the theory was that Stephen was walking home after running out of gas and he was struck by the mirror of a semi-truck. I mean, that puts the investigators between a rock and a hard place because, then I don't know, I could be wrong about this, but like, Like, once a coroner makes a ruling, you can't just, they're not just going to change it. And if they don't change it to, you know, homicide by blunt force trauma or whatever, I mean, you can't investigate it as such. Like, now everything that you find has to match the coroner's finding of a hit and run. And then you're not going to find evidence of that because that's not what happened. Like, Mm -hmm. it just makes things so difficult and, like, messy with, like, all the paperwork and shit. Yeah. But apparently, it's not her problem, so. Exactly. She's like, well, that's your problem. Yeah. Stephen's mother, Sandy, said that there was no way that her son would have started walking home in the middle of the night. And he, because he was only six miles away from his house. He had a cell phone. Like, this wasn't pre-cell phone days where your only option was to just start walking. Yeah, exactly. He was so close to home and he could have called somebody and they could have driven there in three minutes. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, not that this really has anything to do with the price of eggs, you know, but Sandy is and was to Steven an incredibly supportive mother. She adored him, loved Mm -hmm. him. So I believe in my heart that she would have gotten up and gone and gotten him. Yeah. 
Like, oh that's, yeah, a hundred percent. He had options. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, he's not going to call like, or he's not just going to start walking, especially when we would have been, yeah, that close. He could have gotten a ride somewhere. He would have stayed with his car. He would have called somebody and they would have come pick him up in a couple minutes. Like it would have been Absolutely. a no, no big deal. Yeah. And they did a toxicology screen on him and nothing appeared, nothing indicated that he was impaired in any way. Mm-hmm. Stephen lived at home with his mother and his twin sister, Stephanie, and the two both talked about him so sweetly. They said that he was funny, intelligent, he was sassy, he was life of the party. And he and his sister were really close. They spent tons of time together. She said that his hair and his outfit always had to be perfect. And Stephen was openly gay in a very small town, which was, I cannot imagine how difficult that was for him. Yeah. His family was incredibly supportive, like I said. And Sandy was so proud of Stephen. His favorite thing to say was, I am who I am and God made me and God doesn't make mistakes. She also like said, because I feel like somebody asked her like, when did he come out or whatever? Oh yeah, she's definitely. Like, he didn't have to. Yeah. Like, she was like, we all knew it and yeah. we just accepted it. Like it wasn't, a, it was not a big deal. Yeah. He's always been who he is and it's who he is. And that that's, we love him. Like that's just the yeah. end of the story. It was so sweet. Right. There was no question. It's, oh, I know. No. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Stephen had plans to get out of Hampton specifically to get his nursing degree and work his way up to becoming a doctor. And he wanted to be able to go overseas and help children who didn't have access to medical attention. Mm. Three days later, Stephen's family held his wake. They chose to leave his casket open so people could see what had been done to him. Police interviewed an older man who called himself Stephen's boyfriend, but Sandy and Stephanie don't believe that this was true. But the man said that Stephen was harassed in Hampton County and that he was being harassed on the night he died at Snyder's Crossroads by what the man described as a, quote, redneck in a big truck with big mud tires. His family was very skeptical of the man's testimony as he openly admitted to having brain damage from significant drug use. And they said that Stephen had been way more secretive lately and had he had been coming home later than usual. Police asked if any lawyers had contacted them about Stephen's case. And Stephanie said that just after the coroner called her, her father to tell her or tell him of Stephen's death, Randy Murdoch, Alec 
Alex's brother. I can't. It, yeah, it's just it. so weird because to read it, it's A L E X apostrophe S, which would be Alex's brother, but we have to say Alex's brother. It's just maddening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Randy, who I'm only guessing is Randolph, because everybody's name is Randolph. Murdoch Buster, somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Randolph, Randy, Murdoch, Alex's brother called Stephen's dad to offer to take Stephen's case free of charge. And Stephen's dad was like, um, huh? And also, why? And what, what's happening here? Like, yeah, he was who so are skeptical. you? Hey, yeah, like, what is happening? The maybe if you're going to get, I don't know, maybe if you're going to get calls from people who are like, you know, do this and they like read about incidents or whatever, you know, maybe several days later, you might be getting some phone calls being like, hey, I, you know, I read about this. I want to help you or whatever, which I still don't even know if that would be normal. But for the call directly after the coroner to be that, how do you already know all this? And like, why? It's just very strange. It is super strange. The first time that Stephanie went out in public after her brother's death, several people came up to her and asked her if they had heard if she had heard that the Murdoch boys did it. They said that they'd heard that Buster and some of his friends had killed Stephen. Stephanie knew of Buster since they all attended the same high school, but didn't see any reason why Buster would have hurt her brother. And Sandy also told investigators that she'd been hearing the same rumors about the Murdoch boy being behind her son's death. But also, the South Carolina Highway Patrol heard the Murdoch name come up multiple times during their investigation into Stephen's death, but they couldn't pinpoint where the rumors started. Well, and hearing it multiple times is an understatement. I believe it was like they, in talking to different witnesses, were told to look at the Murdochs like 50 times. Mm -hmm. I mean, like everybody was like, hey, you know, and I get like, I know rumors can travel in a small town, but like that's worth looking into. Right. So like, so they did everything they could to interview Buster. Right. Well, they tried to call him once. But they couldn't reach him. Yeah. Well, did they? Well, that's that's all you can do, I guess. Right? right. I mean, they called I mean, him. He'd... Yeah. And one time, I mean, that's, you don't want to push him. You don't want to be like harassing him or no, anything. No, I mean, right? they left I mean, a message. So, I mean, if he wants to call back, he'll call back. There's nothing more we can do. Or we've, we've exhausted all of our options. I have gotten more <laughs> letters and calls about a car that I haven't had for seven years, that has been totaled and is no longer in existence to have it worked on. It's like got a recall on it. Oh, I've had yeah. more of that in seven years than they called up someone about a po- the possibility of being involved in a murder. Yep. Called him once. Left a message. That's all we can do. <laughs> I just cannot. I think they did send one email as well. Maybe. Mm. But yeah. again, you know, if you start if you start following up, you know, in a murder investigation, you might get somebody uh, who's not real happy about that. And um, oh wait, no, I'm forgetting. That's actually what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to follow up in a murder investigation. Oh, well, I had it so back learning with, with. I didn't know that. Else. Yeah, I had no idea. It didn't. It didn't come to. Uh, it wasn't obvious to me that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Come <laughs> on. 
So, of course, the family denied any involvement, but there were also rumors that Buster was maybe in a relationship with Stephen of some kind. This rumor was also never found to be substantiated, and the case grew cold. It didn't seem like Stephen's family would ever have closure. But in 2021, Schled. Mm-hmm reopened the investigation into the murder of Stephen Smith. And they said they reopened it due to information they found while investigating the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, but they have not been more specific about what that information actually was. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah. And, you know, you might be thinking at this point, okay, like, that's a lot of shit, right? Like, we've Mm -hmm. got the boating crash where Mallory was killed. We have then Paul and Maggie Murdoch are mysteriously gunned down. Now we're going back and finding out about Stephen Smith's death. That is a homicide, might be tied to the Murdochs. And you're like, all right, that's a lot of shit, right? Yeah, there can't be more. There couldn't be more. But reporters are digging all into the Murdoch family at this point. They are pulling up everything. And they found another mysterious death. Another, Another mysterious one. death. I mean, so they were like, nine- ha ha! Ha ha! Gotcha! <laughs> yeah. At 9.28 a.m. on Friday, February 2nd, 2018, Maggie Murdoch called 911 and told them that her housekeeper had fallen and that her head was bleeding and she couldn't get her up. 57-year-old Gloria Satterfield had worked as a housekeeper for the Murdoch family for over 20 years. This This is is like a second mother to Paul and Buster, okay? Yeah. I mean. It's so sad. The whole thing, this whole thing makes me so mad because it is so sad. It is. During the 911 call, Maggie told the dispatcher that Gloria had fallen down while climbing up eight brick steps outside the Murdoch home. She was lying at the bottom of the steps and bleeding from the head. And Maggie said that she wasn't talking to them. She was barely conscious and she was just mumbling. Maggie got pretty irritated with the dispatcher asking questions and ended up handing the phone over to her son, Paul. Paul told the dispatcher that Gloria was also bleeding from her ear. He told her that she'd cracked her head and there was blood all over the concrete. He said that he was trying to hold her up, but she had told him to, quote, let her loose and she fell back onto the ground. How did she even get those words out of her mouth if she Yeah, is- they're saying she's totally unconscious. And you, the way he says it is like, I was trying to hold her up and she says, let me loose. And then so just I just dropped, dropped her. her. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's uh, not going to go well, dude. Like, Mm-mm. it just doesn't sound like he was very gentle or careful or anything. Paul also became very irritated with the questions being asked by the dispatcher, even telling her to stop asking so many questions. At no point during the six-minute 911 call did anyone give a reason as to how or why Gloria had fallen. Responders arrived and quickly transported the critically injured housekeeper to the hospital. And the dispatcher kept saying, like, when they were getting pissed about the questions, and I feel like Paul was, I can't remember his exact words, but he's like, why do you know all that? Why is that important? That doesn't matter. It doesn't Mm. matter, you know, this or that or whatever. And the dispatcher kept saying, hey, me asking you these questions isn't delaying the help. But they weren't, that may have been what they were concerned about, but they weren't verbalizing that. They weren't saying, can you just please get somebody here quickly? Like, you need to get here quick, quick, quick. You know, like me answering questions is, is keeping them from getting here. She was just telling them because a lot of people will be like, 
no, you have to hurry, you have to hurry, whatever. You know, so I've heard that before on calls. Me asking you these questions, they're already on the way, they're in route, you know, I just have to get this information or whatever. So she's giving them that information and I guess trying to kind of like quell their maybe fears that, okay, if I answer these questions, they won't get here quick enough. But they don't say that. They're just pissy. Mm-hmm. Just very pissy with her. Both of them. Yeah. Gloria was a hard worker and treated the Murdoch boys as her own, even though she also had her own two sons at home. She was a people person and would always help anyone who needed it. And she had a huge hand in raising Paul, who referred to her as Gogo when he was little. Gloria lived for three more weeks before she finally passed away at the hospital on February 26th. She never regained consciousness and was never able to tell anyone what truly happened that day at Moselle. At Gloria's funeral, Alec told the family that it was his fault that she died because it was his dogs that had jumped on her and caused her to fall. So he comes swooping in like, you know what? No, I didn't push her and none of us did anything wrong, but it was my dogs that jumped on her. So I'm going to take care of this for y'all. I am going to get a lawyer to represent her two sons. And he is like, that way you can sue me and I'll go along with it. I'll allow it. You know, I would agree. I'll agree to a settlement from insurance and y'all are going to get a big sum of money and that's going to help you after your mom has passed away. And, you know, they were like, we had absolutely no reason not to trust him because again, Gloria had worked for them for over 20 years. So they were like an extension of family for her. Mm -hmm. And they thought, you know, the Murdochs have taken good care of mom. So why wouldn't they, you know, it was, it was an accident. Why would they not take good care of her now? You know, like, well, yeah, they're basically family mm-hmm, at this point. Yeah. We trust them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he swoops in and is like, I'm going to do the right thing here, you know, because you should be compensated for this. And I'm a lawyer, so I can help you. And I'm going to hook you up with my friend who's also a lawyer and they're going to sue me and you're going to get this big payout. You just, I'll tell you what's going on. I'll get the ball rolling. I'll get everything started. You just sit back and wait. Well, and Alec is a very prominent person in this town. The power imbalance alone. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so just a quick recap since things were discovered and brought to light. Not necessarily in chronological order, but Stephen Smith was found dead in July of 2015. Gloria Satterfield died in February of 2018. Mallory Beach was killed in February of 2019. And Maggie and Paul Murdoch were murdered in June of 2021. Mm. That's a lot of deaths. Yeah, a lot of very suspicious deaths surrounding one family yeah but but wait there's more like i know there's like literally no like this is the one of the strangest cases mm -hmm. that just like i mean every single one is unique in its own way of course and is heartbreaking in its own way there are so many different facets to this case Mm -hmm. that like you just can't make up no. On September 4th, 2021, Alec placed yet another call to 911. He said that he'd been out on the road changing a tire on his car when someone stopped to help him. And he said that he turned his back and the person shot him in the head. <sighs> it's not funny if that's what actually happened, but just, just wait. Yeah. So he was quickly airlifted to the hospital or a hospital in Savannah, Georgia. A few days later, Alex's attorney, Jim Griffin, released a statement saying that Alex sustained both an injury and exit wound from the bullet and was lucky to be alive. A family spokesperson said that the bullet had fractured his skull and it was clearly not self-inflicted. Why would they say that? Right. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, he didn't do this to himself. Yeah. Okay. Nobody it's, said he did yeah, at this why point. Do, why do you feel like you have to say that? Yeah. <sighs> The Hampton County incident report of the shooting said that the victim, Alec, had no, quote, had no visible injuries. So either he's been shot in the head with an entry and exit wound and his skull is fractured or he has no visible injuries. Like, hmm. which is it? Yeah. Hours after this report was released, the sheriff's office said that 
that part had been a mistake. Sled, however, stood by the report that Alex had suffered a superficial gunshot wound to the head. Yeah. The sheriff's office report stated that Alec had been flown out from a landing zone to be treated while deputies were still en route to the scene, but that one officer was able to speak to Alec before he boarded the helicopter. And it would be very odd that a medical helicopter would have been summoned, landed, and loaded before officers arrived on the scene from their office, which was 15 minutes away from the crime scene. (laughs) Okay. Another press release three days after the shooting said that deputies were dispatched to the scene at 1.55 p.m., and this is 25 minutes after Alec made the 911 call. Wow. And we're waiting like 25 minutes to dispatch them when he's saying he's been shot in the head? Yeah. Okay. But hold your tits here. So another weird thing is that multiple resources reported to FITS Fitz News that Alec left the scene of the shooting just after calling 911 and a car transported him to meet EMS and the helicopter. So it's unknown who was driving this vehicle, but Fitz News said, uh, was told that the C-A-R-E care flight that transported Alec from the landing zone was that was seven miles from the scene was dispatched at 1.43 p.m. So this is nine minutes after Alec's 911 call and about 12 minutes before the Hampton County Sheriff's Department was dispatched. It did not take long before law enforcement and reporters started to grow suspicious of the entire story. Eventually, I mean, everything is unraveling, right? Keep pulling the sweater. Yep. Two days following the shooting, (laughs) Alex attorney Dick Harpootlian. (laughs) I'm sorry. Harpootlian. My kids would have a freaking field day with that. Not They're not to the dick jokes yet, but poot is in it. Oh, yeah. You're a pooty head. We call him poots for short. Yeah, um, dick pooty yes. head. Dick poot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself for saying it. Is that like a, a just a version of a queef? I don't know. <laughs> Can dicks... See, now I've got I've got more questions than answers now. I've, I don't I've know. I've heard they can sneeze. I don't know. <laughs> a Just dick kidding. sneeze? Yeah, that's the... Okay, don't. I don't. Uh, okay. Yeah, so okay. anyway, uh, little Pootie, he <laughs> is also a South Carolina sinister, senator, and he released a statement on Alex's behalf. And he was... He said that he was resigning from his law firm and he was checking into rehab. And he claimed that he had an addiction to opiates. Two days after the shooting, Alec was released from the hospital and checked into an out-of-state rehab center. So this is a direct quote. The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I've made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. I'm resigning from my law firm and entering rehab after a long battle that has been exacerbated by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone I've hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself and my relationships. The next day, PMPED, Alex's law firm, also released a statement, and it said that the company had discovered that Alex. Alec had, quote, misappropriated funds in violation of PMPET standards and policies. And it was implied that Alec had been forced to resign and alleged that he had been regularly misappropriating funds on an ongoing basis for years. So shortly after, Alec lost his law law license and his privileges to work as an assistant solicitor. Nine days after the shooting, Lil Pootie, (laughs) Harpootlian, 
said that his client realized it was time to tell the truth. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Better late than pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Like, another good time to tell the truth is, like, just the whole time, honestly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is, I mean... It's it's kind of it's, a lot to ask, I think, but yeah, maybe. it's an sure. option to tell the truth at any time. I don't yeah, know if he knew that, but like he could have been telling the truth this whole time. But okay, all right, yeah, all right, let's start now. Fine, good point, good point. So Alec admitted that he had set up the shooting so his son Buster could receive the ten million dollar life insurance policy. That's a hell of a life insurance policy. I know. During his confession, Alec claimed that 61-year-old Curtis Edward, who went by Eddie Smith, helped him with the attempted insurance scheme. And he said that he told Smith about the plan, gave him the gun, and that Smith shot him. He said that Smith was a former client of his, a distant cousin, and was his longtime drug dealer. Smith was arrested. He was charged with assisted suicide, assault, and battery of a high aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. It's a lot of charges. A lot of shit. Alec was actually charged with crimes this time, which is shocking. And he was charged with three felonies of insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a fake police report. At his bond hearing, he was handcuffed. He was wearing shackles. He was clothed in Hampton County jail garb. He was in jumpsuit, which is not common for the Murdoch family. No. Yeah, But Lil Pootie argued that all of this was brought on by Alec's addiction, that they were truly looking into the face of an opiate addiction. That's just very, I don't know. It's very frustrating the way he was just like, I don't know. And if if he has been battling addiction, like that sucks. But they literally are like, you know, this is the face of opiate addiction if I've ever seen it. You know, this Mm -hmm. is what it does to people. No, this is not what it does to people. Like, it definitely tears lives apart, but we're talking about somebody who has been absolutely handed everything he's ever wanted, who has taken steps to cover up his own crimes, and who has taken advantage of other people to further his own monetary gain. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, no, don't say that, that they're the same. They're just... They're just not. It just, that's just very frustrating. Well, sure. I mean, what he's attempting to do is explain it away, uh-huh. which honestly taints what a lot of people go through because that's, it's just not true. Like, yeah, it's just not true. But anyway, that's what Pootie said. And yeah, he, again, it's just anything to, to help him out, like mm-hmm. for his own gain, just like, well, I'm the victim. I can't, yeah, I'm... I can't be held accountable for this either because it wasn't me, it was my addiction. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's trying to distance himself and completely not own what he has, what he's done. Yeah. Alec was released on bond and returned to rehab. And Smith's attorney said that there was no evidence that Alec had ever actually been shot. He didn't have any bandages. He didn't have any stitches. The hair that on his head had not been shaved to expose an injury. And neither Sled or Alec's representatives, nobody released any proof that Alec had actually been shot. Nope. 
Smith said that Alec's account of what happened is wrong and that he never shot him. He said that Alec called him out that day and asked him to bring his truck with him. And Smith was a handyman and often did like odd jobs for people around town, including the Murdochs. So when he arrived, Alec had a gun. He was acting erratically. He was pointing the gun in his own head. And Smith was said he attempted to wrestle the gun away from Alec and it went off. He said that it didn't hit anyone. He openly admitted to being president. Oh, oh. <laughs> I did it. See, it's easy. Why, why though? Look, he, he's president and he can't hide it anymore. Okay. I know you I want him to keep it quiet. I did it. Yep, you did he it. openly admitted to being president. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're president, just tell everyone, you know? You can't tell him what to do. If he doesn't want to admit it, he doesn't want to admit it. Why keep it hidden? You don't know what he's been through, okay? Being president is tough. It It takes a toll. He doesn't want to talk about it. Anyway, he, as well as being president, he was also present. Sure. He admitted that he was present when the gun discharged and that he disposed of the gun afterwards. But he said that Alec was never actually shot and he was never involved in dealing drugs to Alec. He said that he was so scared after the gun accidentally discharged that he wound up with it in his car when he fled the scene and he threw it away. And Smith said, I, if I had shot him, he'd be dead and he's alive. Yep. Smith was released on $20,000 bond in October. And during this time, SLED announced that they were opening an investigation into Alex's alleged misappropriation of funds at his law firm. When asked about these charges, Alex, Alec pled the fifth. <laughs> I know it's so... Whatever. Whatever I feel so deflated after I just, it's taking everything that I, that's in me to get these stupid ass names right. Yeah. All right. As the investigations continued into Alec Murdoch and his background, suspicion grew around the death of his former housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. Several odd things were noticed by the Hampton County coroner. She said that Gloria's death was not reported to her office in 2018 and an autopsy was never performed. Not only is this strange, but isn't it illegal? I would think so. Additionally, it was noticed that on Gloria's death certificate, the manner of death was ruled as natural. Na- oh, oh my. Natural? Natural, which obviously doesn't match with the reported accident of tripping and falling down several steps. But like, who ruled I, it as that? Isn't that the coroner's right. job? How are they getting a death certificate filed without the coroner's knowledge? No idea. I thought that unless you have a terminal illness and you're not 245 years old, mm-hmm. an autopsy is going to be done. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what or, I thought. I mean, I think that like family, family members Well, can, family can deny one. Yeah. But, yeah. But they're, yeah, they're going to start the process. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, it's common, isn't it protocol? Like it's, it's yeah. commonplace for somebody to be like, wow, she was in her fifties. Mm-hmm. And she passed away. Yeah. On the 911 call, we have multiple people saying she slipped and fell. Like, come on. Let's look into that. Yeah. Due to these findings, the coroner asked SLED to open an investigation into Gloria's death. So on September 5th, 2021, SLED announced that they were opening a criminal investigation into the mysterious death of Gloria Satterfield. Ten days later, Gloria's family filed a lawsuit against Alec, claiming that they never received any money from any settlement. Mm-mm-mm. In fact... They didn't even know that a settlement had been reached in the case of their mother's death. They didn't know about that until they read it in the news in 2021. 
So remember, at Gloria's funeral, Alec was all like, ooh, I'm going to help you get all this money because I'm going to like, I'm going to actively help you file a lawsuit against me because it's my fault and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to come in and be the hero and make sure that you get money and you're taken care of for this and all this kind of stuff. So Alec had introduced Tony Satterfield, which is Gloria's oldest son, to his best friend from college, Corey Fleming. Okay. Does it seem like that his best friend is going to drain him for all he's got? I mean, you know, not that that's what they were trying to do anyway, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you think that he's going to, yeah, to go easy on Alec or? Exactly. Yeah. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Fleming was a lawyer who sued Alec for Gloria's wrongful death under Alec's homeowner's insurance. Tony was listed as the personal representative of his mother's estate. But somehow, Alec convinced Tony to resign from this title in favor of a banker that Alec already knew named Chad Westendorf. So the day after Westendorf took over, settlement papers were filed and the homeowner's insurance paid out a significant amount of money to Westendorf. But the Satterfields didn't know anything about it. And this is hundreds of thousands of dollars that is paid out. It's millions of dollars. Yeah, well, the other... So the new lawsuit brought by Alec, or brought against Alec by the Satterfields also found that there was a second settlement made around their mother's death that was not properly recorded, so it wasn't connected initially. They changed some of the wording so that the two never appeared. Yeah, and connected. there was no like case file number or it was yeah, it was never like yeah, it was never on any like court docket, like the courts didn't have a record of it, nothing. This mm-hmm. settlement was 4.3 million dollars. And her her boys, kids, I mean they're adults at this point, but knew nothing about it. Mhm. After taking their fees from the amount obtained, Fleming and Westendorf gave the rest of the settlement to Alec who funneled it into a secret bank account. And the Satterfields didn't know anything ever came of their lawsuit against Alec. They just thought nothing happened. 
It took the family a while to come forward to police about not having received any of the money because they were frightened of the Murdochs and the power that they held. Right. Talked about it earlier. The power imbalance. Exactly. And again, they didn't have any reason not to trust Alec Murdoch. They thought that Mm -hmm. he was legitimately trying to help them. Right. It's just so sad. And, you know, like I've been in a situation where like I've had to go to court or whatever and anything a lawyer told me, I was just like, okay, you're a lawyer. Like, I'm terrified. I don't know about any of this. I trust you. Like, I don't know. Yeah. In October of 2021, Alec was arrested and charged with two felony counts of obtaining property by false pretenses, which could hold up to 10 years in prison for each charge. He was arrested right after being released from a Florida rehab center. Alec had supposedly initially detoxed at a facility in Atlanta and then was transferred to a center in Florida. He was held at the Orange County Correction Center until he was extradited to South Carolina for his bond hearing. The judge in South Carolina denied bail for him, finally. Over the next two months, Alec was indicted on almost 50 other charges, including money laundering and forgery. Fleming's law firm agreed to two separate settlements with the Satterfields and Westendorf paid back the fees he received from the settlement. Despite these two not being named in the Satterfield lawsuit, it's likely they'll be named in other lawsuits involving Alec. Since his arrest, Alec's attorney, Lil Pooty, has petitioned multiple times for Alec to be released on bail. Most recently in mid-January of 2022, Judge Lee has continued to deny. De- <laughs> what is that? It's not a word. No, it's that. not a word. It's like when Jesse, like Ben, will tell Jesse he's ignoring him, and Jesse's like, "I'm gonna ignore you. I'm yes. gonna ignore you back, Ben. If you're gonna ignore me, then I'm gonna ignore you." <laughs> well, it's like I had a guest once that talked about her daughter, and she thought the word adult, like I am oh. a adult. Yeah. So she was like, when am I going to be? Adult? When will I'm? Yeah. I want to be adult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the judge continued to <laughs> deny a change in Alex bail. It's currently set at $7 million with no option to pay 10%. Judge Lee feels that Alex is a flight. Alex, whatever is a flight risk and could be a danger <laughs> to himself or the community. And Lil Poots has been arguing, you know, <laughs> his client is broke. All the money he'd stolen was used for drugs. So he doesn't even have any money to like go anywhere or do anything. Are we supposed to like, that doesn't help. I'm so mad. I don't I know. know what to yeah. even say about it. Nope. Like, listen, just let him out. He can't even go anywhere. He spent all the money he stole. Yeah, exactly. He's already spent everything he stole. How is this his problem now? It's all gone. Like, you can't use it. <laughs> Whatever. Fucking Alex Murdoch. And also, his lawyer has been like, you know, none of these are violent offenses, though. He's not a danger. He just, like, steals from everybody he comes into contact with and, like, swindles people. And there's a lot, a lot of deaths surrounding him and his family. But probably, I mean, I I wouldn't consider him violent. (laughs) None of that feels violent to me, right? Right. Whatever. Ugh. But testimonies indicate that Alec has approximately $10,000 in one bank account, as well as a $2.2 million retirement account. The prosecutor referenced multiple jail phone calls that Alec had made, including one where he told a family member to go ahead and use money for golf. The prosecution continued to say that Alec is being accused of stealing more than $6.2 million 
and at least $2.5 million of that was cashed out. The investigation also determined that a large amount of the money was also returned to Alec, bringing the entire amount of cashed out money to around $3.7 million. So where the hell is all this money? (laughs) So one question that you might be asking is, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? But a second question that you might be asking is, where is the oldest Murdoch son this whole time? Yeah, Buster. Buster. He's not... You know, this is a different Buster, not Buster with a with the claw or Buster Bunny. But um, yeah, exactly. He was very close with his father and had even attempted to follow in his footsteps by enrolling in the law program at the University of South Carolina. If you're Torella, South Carolina. <laughs> However, rumors said that Buster's was Buster's. Oh Ooh. God, those burgers! Oh, those are good burgers. You guys, we have a Buster's in town. Buster, well, bus is it Buster Burgers or Buster's I Burgers? Know. I don't know. Now. Anyway, it's so good. Oh my God, I could. Oh, I'd eat the shit out of one right now. But anyway, rumors said that Buster was kicked out of school in 2019 for plagiarism. Shortly after his father's arrest in October 2021, Buster and his uncle John, Alex's brother, were spotted in several casinos in Las Vegas. Someone that was familiar with the family said that John had taken the family on a, quote, fall break trip. (laughs) Like, okay, so everything's fine. Don't worry about it. But Buster's just out living his best life gambling away. So I wonder where that money went. Well, yeah, where's where is he getting this money? (laughs) Because, you know, we don't work. He don't he didn't even I mean, he what would he be doing? I don't. There is nothing wrong with I. Some of my favorite jobs have been like part time, kind of you know, minimum wage jobs. Those have been so much fun. I don't see Buster doing that. No. So where's it? Yeah, where's the money coming from? Prior to his arrest, Alex signed over power of attorney of the family assets to Buster, and Buster began moving money around, which concerned prosecutors. In November, a judge granted an order to freeze all Murdoch accounts and removed Buster as the power of attorney. The two men appointed power of attorneys by the court were given permission to have access to all the Murdoch assets to preserve them in the event that the victims were awarded money in their lawsuits against the family. So regarding the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, several sources close to the investigation have told Fitz News that physical and forensic evidence directly ties Alec to the murders, but the details of this have not been publicized. There have been rumors circulating that Maggie was in contact with the divorce attorney just weeks prior to her murder, but Alec, of course, says, uh-uh, that didn't happen. I mean. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, that's the end. Just <laughs> Just kidding. Nope. We got a little bit more here. In 2011, 21-year-old Hakeem Pinkney, Pinkney, sorry, passed away in a rehab center. He and his mother had been in a severe car accident and Hakeem had ended up being paralyzed. He was recovering and doing well in rehab when his ventilator was somehow left unplugged for 30 minutes before staff noticed. That is so awful. Yeah. Unfortunately, Hakeem was dependent on the ventilator and died. His mother, Pamela, hired PMPED to help her with filing a lawsuit on Hakeem's behalf for the car accident and eventually a wrongful death claim against the rehab center. While the initial lawyer she hired from the firm was not Alex, Alec, or whatever, his staff and name was all over the lawsuit. These lawsuits gave Alec and his co-conspirators, Corey Fleming and Palmetto State Bank, 
the opportunity to steal approximately $1 million from Hakeem and Pamela. Pamela is now part of a group of at least eight different parties who are being represented by attorney Justin Bamberg and have filed lawsuits against Alec after finding out that he stole significant amounts of money from them. And so this isn't Corey Fleming's first rodeo, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's his go-to. Let's steal Let's steal from people. I mean... Steal I from just... people that have... They're entitled to it. They deserve it. They've been through enough. Yeah. And you're going to fucking pull this shit? I know. It's, it's horrible. Because you're greedy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just horrible. Now you made me lose my spot. <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Also in this group of Murdoch victims is a South Carolina State Highway Patrol officer, Lieutenant Thomas Moore. Moore was struck by a vehicle during a snowstorm while on the job in February of 2018, and he didn't realize that Alec had stolen money from his settlement until news of other crimes he'd committed began to come to light. Investigations into Moore's settlement found that Alec had stolen around $100,000 from the state trooper, and recently in January of 2022, PMPED sent Moore a check for $38,000, less than half of the original settlement amount. I mean, it does suck for the law firm, I guess, because they're like, motherfucker, like, you stole all this money from us, and like, how are we supposed to pay this back? Because the money isn't here, but right. still, that's not what he was, that's not what was taken from him. I mean, can insurance cover that? Like, you have, you know, it's like... Right, yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know. Or like, um, do they have, you know, doctors have, what's like malpractice? The, yes, malpractice. Like, I wonder if they have something like that. Alec Murdoch is currently detained in the Alvin S. Glenn Detention Center in Richland County, South Carolina. He's facing 51 charges involving his financial crimes. Most news sources feel confident that Alec will face more charges in the future. We still don't know what truly happened to Gloria Satterfield or Stephen Smith. However, both cases are currently being investigated by SLED. There have been no arrests made in the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch. There are continuously new developments in this whole mess. If you want to dive further into the inner workings of this family, you can listen to Murdoch Murder Podcasts. And that's the, um, like, Fitz News has put out a whole podcast series on this. So there's, I mean, y'all, this is an overview. Yeah, and there's I mean, so much. There's so much. I am honestly very, very, very interested in listening. I am too. I'm really interested in all this. I wonder, like, I don't know, just from like what we've read and stuff, I wouldn't put aside the possibility, and I don't know how you feel about this, that Alec had something to do with Paul and Maggie's deaths. No, no, he did not. Oh, okay. No, well, I'm kidding. No, I, I 100% believe that he did. Because, because you know that yeah. he had insurance on them. Exactly. And I also read that six weeks before their deaths, Maggie was visiting a divorce we attorney. We talked about it. Yes. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you read it 15 minutes ago Bomb because shell. we talked about it. <laughs> well, I want to talk but about it guess now. But guess what Alec did? Denied. Denied. Yeah, but like, come on. Six weeks after yeah. that. And like so many people had said that their relationship was definitely cooling down. They weren't seeing Maggie coming to the office nearly as much. It's just very coincidental 
that she's trying to leave. Mm -hmm. And she ends up dead. Yeah. I wonder why Paul, though, is it because he was a liability to the family? Because he got them in so much trouble. And yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe it was, like, looking like, okay, we're not going to be able to sweep this under the rug, and this is drudging up too much stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, honestly, I just don't put it past him to do literally whatever it takes to get as much money as humanly possible or to keep his status. hmm Yeah. But unfortunately, no. I was going to say unfortunately, but that's not— Unfortunately for him, he has just spiraled right out of control and everybody is either suspicious or knows. So, I mean, it's just bad. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I know we don't have all the information and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be irresponsible, but I just, with the fact that he was obviously trying to set up his own death so that like Buster could benefit I just don't know if, because he had he spent pretty much the rest of his life swindling people, lying to people, doing whatever he could to make sure that he benefits, he and his family, mm-hmm. I guess. So, like, if this in any way could benefit him, I just feel like I just wouldn't put it past him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it seems like he looked at every relationship in his life from only a business standpoint. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Awful. It is awful. But yeah, of course, let us know what you think. But thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Yep. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. And we will meet you back here next week. Bye. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.